Homer, do not press the core destruct button. Press destruct button. Don't do it, don't do it, you'll kill everyone. Do it, do it, kill everyone. Sure is taking me a long time to reach this button. Four finger discount, dude. Welcome to Four Finger Discount. This week we are. Oh, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. Look at here on, oh. on the Zoom chat. On the Zoom chat, I should say, Mr. Davis has lost lost his headphones. <laughs> just, what a, just one. What a Only way to one. kick off season sixteen of The Simpsons. <laughs> <laughs> it's an omen, I tell you. I feel like that was more exciting than anything we're going to see in this episode. No, it's actually pretty good. So this was <laughs> to, uh, this week we're here to review episode uh, FABF two three. It is the premiere of season 16 of the simpsons it is treehouse of horror 15 i'm dando i'm guy we're back baby we didn't go anywhere but we're back (laughs) (laughs) it's been a whole seven days yeah uh but yes uh, we're back with season 16 kicking it off as we always well not always do but in fine style with the new season with a treehouse of horror i think we always enjoy a bit of a treehouse of horror is that correct and i think it's just the episodes where you can sort of just relax a bit you don't have to really go too in, in depth with the reviews you can have a bit of fun with them a bit of banter and we all love horror so you know it's always a good yes. fun absolutely right absolutely right and uh, look three nice little stories this time around uh like you said, just easing our way in. It's like, no, this was good. This was fine. I yeah. had a couple of laughs. I wasn't egregiously offended <laughs> um, or, you know, to- totally pissed off by anything that anyone did or did not do. They got the job done this time around, and they got the job done well. I thought the first segment of the Ned Zone felt the most like classic trios of horror. But there was definitely elements of other classic moments throughout the other two as well. I did think the second one, though... The comedy for at least the first half of it relied too heavily on just taking the piss out of the English accent. I've got that down as one of my favourite moments. Everyone who was doing a British accent seemed to really be enjoying it. And MVP of that is Julie Kavner, who just seemed to be really ripping into it. Yeah. You know, <laughs> making an eel pie out of that accent. So, uh, yeah, but you're right. And in terms of actual story, it's like, I suppose they're doing Jack the Ripper and... I guess, but... Yeah. There, there wasn't really many jokes in there. It was just, oh, how funny do English people speak? It's hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> they dreadful things. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I'm surprised they didn't do more with bad British teeth. That's Yeah, they don't do that at all, did they, in that segment, the bad British teeth? They've, they've no. already done the big book of British smiles, though. That's enough. That's enough. <laughs> <laughs> but I, you know what I enjoyed about this? The, the titles of each segment. <laughs> I just thought, but can you explain to me how four beheadings in a funeral fits Jack the Ripper? Besides the fact that it was an English movie, how does it fit this story? Yeah, short answer: it doesn't really. I mean, no one got beheaded, and I don't think we saw any funerals. No, I was so confused. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, it was not great. This trace of horror, but it wasn't bad. It was just, and that's where I'm kind of concerned. I hope we're not getting into territory where it's just like. It was just there. I don't. Want, I hope every episode is not just there. I wanted to still entertain me, and this entertained me. But I just got to the end and went, "Eh, well, that happened. That zipped right through. It went in one ear and out the other. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, it's like ah, oh, that was fine. It's half an hour. I'll never get back. 
but it, nor is it half an hour that I feel like I've wasted. No. But, you know, it's not like going to be saying, hey, remember that time I sat down that afternoon and watched Treehouse of Horror 15? Oh, good times, great classic hits. Not really the case. It's pretty much sums up our sex life, right? <laughs> not, not between yourself and I. <laughs> well, I, was about, I was about to say, our sex life. Sex lives. <laughs> yes. Okay. To, to quote the great offspring, you got to keep them separated. <laughs> hey, my favourite. What did you like about this Trials of Horror, Mr Davis? Oh, well, as, as uh, mentioned earlier, I did enjoy everyone enjoying doing British accents. Okay, yep, yep, yep. I thought that was a bit of fun. I enjoyed that quite a bit. I'm going to pick one from each segment, shall we say. Uh, so but that's from four beheadings and a funeral. To rewind a, back a little bit, I've got to say, dying in a naked girl avalanche actually sounds kind of cool. It does sound very good, yeah, yeah. And vice versa, dying in a naked man avalanche for a female. Or whichever way you bat, doesn't matter. Which, whichever you prefer. Way, whichever way you swing. Yeah. Um, and in Belly of the Boss, um, when it first, well, when the plot actually sort of kicked in after the inciting incident, I was like, oh, it's Inner Space or it's Fantastic Voyage. Yep. And then when when Marge was in her um, Skimpy. uh, skimpies, shall we say, her smalls, I was like, okay, it's definitely Fantastic Voyage mm-hmm. because, yes. um, yeah, Raquel Welsh in her prime started in Fantastic Voyage in the late 60s and... I think everyone else is in like fairly cumbersome sort of spacesuits as they undertake their fantastic voyage. And Raquel Welsh, having the fine figure of a woman that she had, was in something quite form-fitting, something ribald. <laughs> so, yeah, seeing Marge in shape, so we say, I was like, hmm. <laughs> and then the white blood cells making it, uh, eating away her clothes, but they always know just where to stop. They do indeed. Yeah. <laughs> so, yes, my favourite moments uh, from the various segments of Treehouse of Horror 15. How about you, Dando? Well, I really enjoyed... It's funny because I enjoyed the Ned Zone the most, but my favourite moments, none of them come from that. I've got a couple here. I liked the um, the Simon Stulowitz. I'm going to be a movie star. You, you'll see. <laughs> I did like the voice. Yeah. And I must admit, I've written a Stulowitz. <laughs> just like, what's all this about? <laughs> It's 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 random, but I just I just enjoyed the um the the voice for that, and I really liked when shit's going down and Burns' stomach just explodes, basically goes up. And he's like, "Well, that hurt like hell." <laughs> <laughs> but what did you think of the overall parodies? Because it sort of felt like they didn't really put much of a Simpsons spit on them. It sort of felt like going through the motions almost. Yeah, not really. They were, um, the, the, the Ned Zone, the, the, the Ned Zone is is the one that really does it. And yeah, as you said, four beheadings at a funeral is basically okay. It's a Jack the Ripper story. We've got the Simpsons in there. You know, Lisa's kind of doing her know-it-all thing, but otherwise yeah, she, she's meant to be Sherlock Holmes. But yeah, yeah. Otherwise, no. There's not a whole lot to that. And yeah, in the belly of the boss again, not very. It's just the Simpsons characters in a story that wouldn't usually have The Simpsons in it. But they're not being... I mean, Homer's being Homer because he's being a dumbass. But otherwise, eh, not really. <laughs> the future, I would do a far better parody of The Fantastic Voyage. Which I have yet to see. So. Yes, and that's coming up on... Tales of Futurama, available exclusively on the Four Finger Discount Patreon. If you are not a member of the Four Finger Discount Patreon, that is perfectly fine. We love each and every one of you, regardless of whether you're a patron or not. But if you do want to get exclusive access to the podcast, you can do so by going to patreon.com slash fourfingerdiscount. I thought you were about to say, if you're not a Four Finger Discount patron, go to hell. No, 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 no. We, uh, 
No pressure. <laughs> Absolutely no pressure. No, we Enjoy en- the show. Yes, yes. We appreciate your support. <laughs> Next question. You there, eating the paste. All right, it's now time for some trivia. But before then, as we're just mentioning about the Patreon, it's time to read out some $20 patron shout-outs here on the podcast. All right, so mm-hmm. kicking off with... This season, we're going to kick off with... Hmm, someone we've never kicked off with before. Let's go with Sean Davey. Sean Davey, our $20 patron of the of the week. Also, shout Sean, out... Sean, hang on. In, in, in tribute mm-hmm. to Treehouse of Horror 15, Sean of the Dead Davey. Sean of the Dead Davey. There you go. So what I'm going to do is each week now, I'm going to pick a patron of the week, $20 patron of the week, and you're going to give them a name, a Halloween name. I know it's not going to be Halloween every week, but you're going to give them... Actually, it doesn't have to be Halloween. You can just give them a funny name. Just the guy Davis, the guy Davis new name, and then you'll get that. So each each week now, a new page, a new twenty dollar page is going to be the first one read out. The new twenty dollar page of the week, and they're going to get a an exclusive guy Davis new name. What do you reckon about that, Mister Davis? That sounds just fine by me. Alrighty. So, Sean of the Dead, Davey, you are this week's patron of the week. Also, shout-outs to Christopher Trent Darby, Andrew Zer, Jordan Moleman, Richie, Steamed Ham Champion, Dylan Haggett, Sally Kimberly, Hank Scorpio, Kevin Dental Plan, Flood, Jonathan Rossi, Zach Pruitt, Timothy Burleson, Joel Yoland, Katie G, Daniel Kotnick, Shannon Hofer, Jenna Rice, Reese Roberts, Adam Sanderson, George McMenemy, Stephen Roberts, Bella Winderbank, David Stewart, Tom Pickering, Mark Boston Burgess, Grand Skipper Noah, and Declan Phoenix. Thank you guys so much for your ongoing support. All right, That's Mr. a Davis. heck of a lot of names. A heck of a lot of names. Now, continue to support us, and we appreciate every single last one of them. But it's now time for some trivia for Trios of Horror 15. My first question is... What should you stay away from at the Heaven Buffet? The three bean salad. Yes. You can't tell me what to do. Well, that's you're not the boss of me. Hmm. Um, although that actually is good advice for any buffet, heavenly or not. Beans is the musical fruit. And the more you eat, the more you The toot. more you fart. Yes. I'm not fart. So, I'm not, so you say the, the old English way. It's good for your heart. The more you eat, the more you fart. I've always said the musical fruit, the more you eat, the more you toot, which is like the PC version. Well, I prefer farting to shooting. <laughs> <laughs> I tooted. But anyway, what's your first question? <laughs> My first question to you is, uh, in the credits of the opening uh, sitcom yeah. takeoff, uh, the audience is by what? Uh, brought to you by what? I know, I know they're slaves. They're from some slave company or something. Is that right? You're very, very close. Would you like me to tell you? Yeah, tell me. Yes. It is the it is the slave colony of Regulon, Rebulon 7. Rebulon 7. Right. A little bit of Futurama sneaking in there. I think so. Mm. My next question is, what is the name of comic book guy's store in the second act? Oh. Oh. Ow. I don't know. Ow. What, what, what was that? Was that a, what was her name? The singer? I think, Anastasia? I think that was a minute with Rick James. I'm out of love. <laughs> oh. Let <laughs> me pray. <Yeah. laughs> Do you ever make up? Do you ever make up silly songs? Silly songs or silly? Well, just make up well, words like, for songs. Well, <laughs> I remember one day I was doing. I was making my my grocery list, and it was like, "I'm out of milk. Get some more. <laughs> Gonna go down to the store, and while I'm there, get some bread." Or I'll punch you in the head. So the, and you're standing there in your undies in the kitchen going, so this is my life. <laughs> <laughs> it's about that time my wife said, I think we should see other people. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. My next, uh, so the answer to that one, by the way, is the Emporium of Exotica. I was, I was hoping to distract you from the fact that I didn't know the answer. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, my next question to you. Yeah. Um, the illustrated novel story or bonus story features Young Who. Ah, oh, really should have written that down. I only wrote the title of the book. What is it? It's Young David Diligent. David Diligent. My final question is, what's the first invention we see at the invention, whatever it is? Oh, exhibition? in Belly of the, Bo- Belly of the Boss? Yeah, in Belly of the Boss. So it's the Invention Expo. What's the first invention we see being used? Ando, I don't know. That's the vagrant translator with the crazy cat lady. Oh, of course, yes. Mm. Yeah. Now, I have two more questions, but I can give you just one of them if you like. Hit me with both if you like. Why not? Well, okay, then. How many uh, performances of the Rosie O'Donnell musical were there before it closed? That was three, and we should have seen that coming. We should have seen that coming, absolutely. Uh, And one last question for you. Uh, According to Frink, where must Homer enter in Burns' body? It's a vein, but which one? Uh, I've written it in my notes. I won't cheat. Um, Go ahead and cheat. If you wrote it down, then... That's cheating, isn't it? Yes, no, it's it's, no. it's sub something sub. It almost sounds a bit. It almost sounds glaveny. Oh, subclavian, clavian, subclavian. That's correct. Yes, subclavian vein. Subclavian vein. Something about veins just irks me. Ugh. Well, they're no arteries. <laughs> no, but um, but yes, that is trivia for Trios of Horror fifteen. Now, speaking of, you were just discussing Rosie O'Donnell. Reminded me of Roseanne, and we were discussing Roseanne on a previous episode, either last week or the week before, and we were discussing how the show got cancelled. Right, how she got cancelled. Hmm. Um, she actually did come back for a season with Roseanne and then that yeah. got cancelled and then that turned into The Connors. Connors, that's so, right. Yes, yeah. yeah. So it was Roseanne original, a season with Roseanne and then The Connors. I've had a couple of, I've had a couple of emails, people saying, just letting you know that uh, Roseanne did appear for a season. She got a hardcore what? fan base apparently. Nice bit of crossover. We might have to do a Roseanne show. Yeah, I know, right? Yeah. Maybe, maybe there's, a, there's a crossover there for sure. But that is trivia for Trios of Horror 15. It's now time we take a short break and when we come back, we'll give our somewhat in-depth review. Ooh. If you're a fan of everything we do here at Four Finger Discount, you can show your support by joining the family at patreon.com slash fourfingerdiscount. Here you'll get ad-free early access to all of our shows, Zoom calls with Guy and myself, as well as bonus podcasts such as Tales of Futurama and Guy on Springfield, where we go back and revisit classic episodes from the first 10 seasons. So go ahead and join the family today at patreon.com slash fourfingerdiscount. The original air date of Trials of Horror 15 was November 7th in 2004. It was written by Bill Odenkirk and Ooh. it was... Bro- brother of Bob. Is it actually Brother of Bob? It is. That's awesome. And directed by David Silverman, the one and the only David Silverman, who appeared in the book that Mitch and I once wrote, Homer's Odyssey and The Bigger Simpsons Guide. Brother of Sarah. No, he's not. <laughs> <laughs> David Silverman, I remember interviewing him for the book and it was like on my lunch break that I took a somewhat extended lunch break to do it. Just out in the ca- in my in the car, in the front car park, I'm sitting there with my laptop, my fucking headphones on, my microphone. I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, I'm talking to David Silverman from The Simpsons. This is fucking cool. <laughs> Just like on my lunch break. Anyway. That was cool. Everyone else is out there eating their ham sandwiches and I'm interviewing David Silverman. Good times. I did, I did that when we were at work as well. I did a, I had to do a couple of interviews. Did you? What, at Pop Culture when you worked there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I did one with... Uh, Michael Imperioli, mm-hmm. okay, Christopher Moltisanti from The Sopranos. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. I went out to the car and did it there. Apparently, he is lovely. <laughs> he was a really nice guy. Mm. And he, he he did the thing that you always want to hear 
from an interview subject. That's a and good interview. That's a good question. What do you, yeah, he's like, yeah, I've never, I've never been asked that before. Yeah. 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 When you get, when you hear that, oh, that's a good question. And you can tell they actually mean it. Yeah. yeah. Because one thing you learn in the game is like, mm, yeah, that's, they're either using that to compose their thoughts. Yeah. It's like, I'm going to stall for time. That's a good question. Or they're using it to butter you up. But sometimes, and if you get a bit savvy, you can tell it's like, oh, that's a good question. It's like, that's right. Yeah, that's if, if, if you're making them actually have to think about an answer, you know you've got them you've got them hooked. Because if mm. when you're doing an interview, there's nothing worse when you're doing the interview and you can tell that it's giving you the same dribble they've given the previous 10 interviews that they've been doing that yeah. day. It's like, ah, oh, everyone's already heard this one. Yeah. Or you've been doing your research. That's, that's one of the downfalls of when you're doing your research is you, hear, you see all the previous answers. And then when you ask a question and you hear them giving that answer, you're like, ah, oh, you're just going into, you're going into yeah. default mode. Yeah, that's one of my my goals with interviews was always trying to get an answer that I've never read before. Yeah, that was always my goal anyway. But anyway, we should find those interviews that you did back in the day. I've I've got heaps of my old interviews. We should just whack them up somewhere. I've got. I think I've only got a few still like on digital file. Yeah, but I'll have a look and see what I've got. Yeah, maybe we should give you um, you make Bruce Campbell a phone call and see if he wants to come on the Simpsons podcast someday. <laughs> <laughs> I love Bruce Campbell. Anyway, getting to. Who does not? Trias of Horror 15. It kicks off with not the Ned Zone. That's the first story, but it kicks off with a little, what would you call these? Just like an intro outro? I guess so, yeah. I yeah, mean, yeah. It, was there even an outro? Oh, well, at the end, it was kind of like the co- closing credits, kind of, you know what I mean? But the same music. Yeah. But it was just, this was really just like the an extended intro for Trias of Horror 15 mm-hmm. because they've, they've gone away from the going through the graveyard and having the eerie music. I wish they'd bring back that music. That music just... The theremin style. I guess it's nostalgic for me because that's what every Treehouse of Horror used to start like for the first five or six, I believe. Mm. Bring that shit back. I think that's something that fans of The Simpsons would appreciate. <laughs> we bring that back and just have the old school going through the graveyard style um, intro. I get the feeling we should probably have a segment called Bring That Shit Back. Yeah, Bring That Shit Back. <laughs> <laughs> but it kicks off with Keeping It Kodos starring Kang. <laughs> and they're cooking the family because their boss is coming over for dinner. And the fam Homer's eating himself and Bart's in searing pain. Classic sitcom setup. I love the, the um the boss coming for dinner. Yeah, I, I I actually didn't mind this for what it was. I thought it was I thought it was funny. And then just Bart, you know, he he bursts out of the um the boss's stomach. They're in in line for a hypergalactic promotion. I've got no family now. You do now, son. You do now. Cue sappy music. Now was that song actually? Is that actually That's- a song? That's from Perfect Strangers. Perfect Strangers. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Standing tall. <laughs> wow. Just, ma- just makes you just want to go. Yeah. <laughs> it really does. It's that's. It's like the quintessential '80s soundtrack song. I mean, even more so than like the Family Ties one or the Growing Pains one. Well, I, I hear that song and I immediately just. I know this isn't, isn't what happens, but I immediately just think of like Michael J. Fox, like. Doing a fist into the air. <laughs> <laughs> You're just combining all the 80s yeah. stuff into one. Yeah. <laughs> Michael J. Fox, end of Breakfast Club. Yeah. And just. <laughs> <laughs> what an ending that was, by the way. It's pretty rad. I mean, I'm not the hugest fan of the Breakfast Club. The movie kind of drags for me, but yeah, but the ending's yeah. cool. Even at, even at age 15, I was like, this is a bit pandering. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's no weird science. Weird science. You've seen that? Awesome. Yes, it's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> that, it does not play well in 2022. No, no, not at all. But, but I, even even though, even though, I mean, it's all about, it's not all about female empowerment, but I mean, it is kind of diffusing toxic masculinity and 
Kelly LeBrock's character is actually sort of the most savvy and strong character in it. I mean, with a bit of tweaking, you could sort of redo it for 2022. It's like, yeah, this this plays now, but yeah, there's a lot of this kind of... <laughs> <laughs> but early early, uh, early RDJ performance. Yeah, is, but is there anything pre-like 1995 that doesn't just make you go... <laughs> these days? Not a whole lot, no. Uh, yeah... I think pretty much everything is going to have at least one thing that's like, don't know if that flies. You, you kind of go just like pre-Twitter. Like pre-Twitter, life was different. <laughs> it was a different oh, world. Oh, yeah, very much so. Yeah. All these, all these voices and all these opinions were out there, but we were just like, la, 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 can't Yeah, yeah, you couldn't hear them. Now you have to hear them. Yeah. But we, with science, I mean, I remember, well, the aforementioned JP, this is a few years later after the- um, The bullshit. After the bullshit incident in the car. Um JP, Ollie, and myself, we were over at Ollie's house. We had the place to ourselves. Tried to build a woman? No, no. <laughs> Although I, that probably would have been good for me because JP and Ollie were good-looking guys and I was a dork. Okay. Um, but we were just old enough that we were able to um, sorry, you know, sneakily get booze. Okay. And we, we, I think we were 17. In Australia, and you've got to be 18, that's all, not 21. You have to be 18. But, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we just got shit-faced on not a lot of booze. One beer. You, sh- you shared yeah. one beer. <laughs> no, it was actual liquor. I think it was Bacardi. I think oh, okay. we made yeah. like, I think we had like Bacardi and Coke because we thought that was a bit more sophisticated. Yeah. Uh, and we watched National Lampings European Vacation and Weird Science. And to this day, JP and Ollie and I will just have to say a line from Weird Science and we're just like, oh, back in, travel back in time. You should just like meet up every couple of years and just watch those two films as a double header. <laughs> Probably should actually. But let's get into uh, the Ned Zone. So this is a takeoff of which, Mr. Davis? This is a takeoff of The Dead Zone, mm. the novel by Stephen King, the film by David Cronenberg, the TV series starring, and I didn't plan this, guys, Anthony Michael Hall, star of Weird Science. Circle complete. Circle completed. <laughs> by the way, shout out uh, to the uh, to the people at Simpsons right. HQ because when it opens with The Ned Zone, it's oh, you're using the proper Dead Zone font from the book and the movie. Nice one. Yep. Attention to detail. Much appreciated. Well, that's the thing. With these Trias of Horror segments, you can tell they're having the most fun when they do these, and they really go the extra yard to have little details there, just like you are saying, just the font and things like that. Mm. But it uh, kicks off with Homer trying to get... Well, do you want, before we get into this, do you want to give listeners who may not have seen The Dead Zone a quick, brief little rundown of what The Dead Zone actually is about, The Dead Zone? Oh, certainly. Look, I think we may have given a brief rundown in the previous mm. episode, but for those who didn't tune in, why? And here we go. Um, the Dead Zone is about a young school teacher with the very average name of Johnny Smith, who he's seemingly got a, a pretty perfect life. He's in love with a fellow teacher uh, named Sarah. They're going to get married. He likes his career. He likes his life a whole lot. He gets into a terrible, terrible car accident and is thrown into a coma for five years. When he wakes up, he discovers he's got the power of second sight. He can touch someone's hand and see their past, see their future, see what's going on. And sometimes in these visions, there's like blank spots or black areas or dead zones. And when those occur, it's like, oh, well, I can actually change this. And, you know, some, some of it works for good, some of it works for bad. You know, he's got a lot of people saying, oh, you're the devil. And so he sort of goes off and tries to live a quiet life by himself. But then one day he shakes the hand of this guy who's running for the president and he sees that this guy is an absolute madman who's going to start a nuclear war. And John has to decide, 
okay, well, what am I going to do about this? And uh, Let's yeah, the story goes. The sto- yeah, the story goes from there. Yeah, it, it's great. It's I, I I reckon it's probably the first King that I ever read properly. Okay, and this was back in like 1984, and I would have been a teenager. And then I saw the movie as well, which starred my man Christopher Walken. A good um, um good take on the book. It's a fantastic take on the book. Okay, quite different. The yeah, I mean. Creative license for you can or- read the book and oh they, they streamlined uh, the um, the novel for the movie. Well, you have to, yeah, you really unless do. you they cut, they cut out a lot of bits, but uh, they kept the <laughs> they kept the uh, the core story. It's really really good. Um, I think that there's um, if you're into physical media, it's been brought out on Blu-ray in a very nice transfer. But yeah, read them both and the 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 TV series as well with Anthony Michael Hall. I think would started in the early two thousands. Went for like six seasons. Six seasons. So yeah. is it just a guy that goes around and he can see the visions? Yeah, yeah. So cool. he, it has the through line of him realizing, ah, this guy's um, this this evil politician is evil, but he also you know has sort of his vision of the week stories. Yeah, it's like Burn Notice. Yeah. He's got his overriding yeah. arc, but he has to like help the little minions here and there. <laughs> that is very correct. The way that we used to do TV back in the day. Yeah, yeah. So um, look, I'm a huge fan of the Dead Zone concept, and I'm a big fan of everything, every way they've done it so far. Cool. But the book is the book is really fantastic. Do you think if you've seen the movie or the TV show, you'd appreciate this this segment more? Not really. I mean, Not it really? just okay. uses, it just uh, yeah, it uses the inciting incident of like. Ah, I've had an accident. Ah, I've woken up and now I can see the, you know, visions. Ah, one of these visions is like, I'd better do something about it. Yeah, this. catastrophic, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but otherwise I think you can. <laughs> um, it, you don't necessarily need a, a working knowledge of the dead zone to enjoy the dead zone. Because when, you, when you're growing up in the 90s, like myself, you know, you were too young to watch the Trials of Horror, well, the movies that Trials of Horrors were based on, as I've discussed you. I'd never seen the Freddy mm. Krueger films or The Shining and things like that. So it's funny how we'd seen the Simpsons version first. Yeah. So then when you watch the real one, it's like, I don't know which one I like better. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I get you. But um, but this episode kicks off. This segment kicks off with Homer using a bowling ball, throwing it up onto the roof to try and get that frisbee down that he thought was on the roof anyway. And mm. it comes off and it knocks Flanders in the head, and he ends up finding the frisbee on the ground anyway. And you think, oh, Oops. Flanders is fucked. But no, he wakes up in hospital a few days later. And it turns out the ball knocked a brain tumor out of his head. Actually saved his life. So Homer saved his life in this point. That uh, is good. Uh, yeah. Once one thing I enjoyed about Ned uh, Ned in the bed was doing his traditional doodlies, but then ending up with injury bodily. <laughs> <laughs> I like that a lot. Yeah, I really just liked the um, the animation of when he's going having a vision where it zooms in on his eye. Mm. I know is that, is that what it's like in the dead zone? Uh, no, not really. No, okay. So there's added that. So creative license. I thought it looked really cool. I'm trying to remember if they did it in the TV series, and they might have done a bit of. You think they would have done something like that because it seemed very specific what they did there. But anyway, yeah. I'm trying to remember when the when the TV series started as well. It might have been around 2000. Well, let's have a look, shall we? Okay. The Dead Zone TV series started in. Oh, so it wasn't that long ago. So it's 2002. Oh, there we go. Yeah, first day of 2002. Well, Dan, you realise that was 20 years ago. Fucking hell, that was 20 years ago. Man, oh, man. <laughs> What's going I know. on? God, I know. It's, it's just crazy, isn't it? It's like two, 2000 just doesn't feel that long ago, but it's 22 years. Wowee. Oh, well. But <laughs> the Dead Zone here was six seasons long. Well, there you go. I'm, gonna, I'm definitely going to check out that show. That, I didn't. I thought it was like an 80s show. I didn't realize it was um 
It was no, so, no, well, no. I, I, yeah. I mean, it's 20 years ago, but it's still somewhat recent, I guess you could say. It's not old, it, old, old. It's not old, old, but yeah, we've. it's got the uh, the 20 year thing where it's like, oh, it's long enough that you can go back and it's got a bit of nostalgia. nostalgia. You now yeah. As, as, yeah. I, I bought them all on, um, on DVD. DVD. I, I, on DVD, <laughs> not even Blu ray. <laughs> <laughs> Those audio commentaries were superb. <laughs> Uh, added value. All right. So, um, yeah, but the eye thing, I think it might be a, a dead zone TV thing as well. Okay. Yep. Uh, he shakes uh, Hibbert's hand and sees his death where he's falling from the sky and splats on the ground. Hibbert opens up the window and Homer walks in, asks him to get the frisbee off the ledge and he ends up falling out of the window. And he injects himself so he doesn't feel any pain. But he does get fucked up though. It does, but I did enjoy the, uh, the self-medicating before death. It's like, yeah, if you can, if you can have enough time to do that. Yeah. Yes, do so. Yeah, put yourself to sleep. That'd be great. But uh, Flanders just doesn't want to believe it. He's like, no, nah, that's just got to be a, a one and done. Then he hears, over his mole man, his shoes are over the wire with him still in them. So he says, you know, wriggle out and I'll catch you. And as he catches him, he sees the vision of him being eaten by gators, which I thought was quite gruesome. And he, as a, a result of being like spooked by that vision, he drops him in the sewer. Another setback. Back. That was a great fight. <laughs> and he gets eaten by the alligators. Then he sees the Rosie O'Donnell musical close with, after three performances. It's like, oh, we should have seen that one coming. Do me, do me. <laughs> so, what I die of? Too much happiness? Naked girl avalanche? Uh, you die eating a submarine sandwich. What kind of bread? Um, country parmesan. Woohoo! What's your favorite Subway bread? Oh. <laughs> what? Well, just it's, been a, it's been a while since I've had a Subway sandwich. It's like you either go, if you go on the healthy one, it's usually wheat. But if, you, if, you, if you're feeling yeah. risky, you go the Italian herbs and cheese, right? That's the, that's like the fun oh. one. That's the, oh, wow. this is delicious. Yeah. If you feel like, yeah, I'll give you, treating yourself to a little European holiday. <laughs> speaking of uh, speaking of takeouts, it's happened again, Mr. Davis. Our good yeah. friends, I say good friends, they don't give us any money, but they give us they give us delicious, delicious food. KFC. What have they they done? 10 for 10 tenders. 10 tenders for $10. Yeah. (laughs) I saw that. Nicholas. So I got the notification and Nicholas sends me a screenshot of her notification on her phone about 10 seconds later. And she just goes, so that's going to get messy. (laughs) That's true love in the Dando house. Well, that's, I mean, I was over visiting the lovely Louise last night. We were both kind of whacked. I mean, Lou's had... um, uh, some stuff for a course that she's been doing all weekend. I went over there and was like, oh, you know, there's food in the fridge. We should probably cook some of that chicken. After about 20 minutes on the couch, we're like, did someone say KFC? No, no, we're ordering <laughs> kebabs from the fish and chip shop yeah. right in the corner. <laughs> and they're really nice kebabs too. Man, fish and chip shop kebabs are the best. <laughs> oh, yeah. Although, if we're going to be name-checking places, kebab on high in uh, High Street, Belmont. Okay. I always get my, my favorite kebab place is the old, well, it's still called Wood Oven Pizza, Geelong, but it's no longer, oh. next, to, it's no longer next to Pizza Land. It actually closed before Easter to move, you know, I think it's Union Street, the side street around the corner there, the little, oh, little, the little side street, and they're opening up again this week. I saw the sign saying officially opening this week, and I was like, yay, it's been like 12 weeks since my favorite <laughs> souvlaki, and I'm going to have it again. <laughs> yay. What, you, can, what, you can tell we're recording this just before dinner. Yeah, well, what is what is your souvlaki of choice? I'm a chicken souvlaki with extra chicken. What's yours? I- <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that's 
chicken and more chicken. Um, but it's actually, actually, extra chicken, extra chicken. I'm a, I'm a mixed guy. A mixed guy. Okay. Uh, which, and the lovely Louise, I think, looked at me when, when I first ordered that, like, you're combining your meats. <laughs> I don't know about that. Um, I don't even know you anymore. <laughs> I don't think I brought it around on my way of thinking, but uh, I I do enjoy a bit of lamb and chicken in the same uh, in the same combination. In the same wrap, yeah, okay, yeah, in the same wrap. Speaking of souvlakis, I want to hear from the listeners. So this season, I really want to hear from each and every one of you listeners. So if you're listening and you've never contacted us, Simpsons Mailbag at gmail we're going to be kicking off. First of all, first question here is, what's your souvlaki of choice? There you go. That's the theme of the week. What's your souvlaki of choice? Second thing is, we're bringing back the My Two Cents segment. So a long, 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 long time ago. Yeah, you're going to have to word me up on this. We used to have a segment. We're doing this live on the show. Guys never heard of this segment. So Mitch and I used to have this segment called My Two Cents, right? You said you'd never say his name. (laughs) Where people would write in and tell us their most tight-ass moment. The moment in the the world where they've been an absolute tight-ass. And that's the way of saving their extra two cents. So write in simpsonsmailbag at gmail.com. The My Two Cents segment is coming back as of next week. We want to hear from each and every one of you. When have you been, or someone that you know, been an absolute tight ass? We want to, <laughs> want to hear the most tight assery stories out there. I'm looking forward to this. <laughs> <laughs> I want, that, you've got a week to think of one, Mr. Davis, when you've been oh, a tight ass. Oh, me too. Oh, just because, you know, you'll be the first the first one next week. So that we can kick off, okay. bringing it back with Guy Davis's My Two Cents story on the next episode of Four Figure Discounts. So stay tuned for that. But getting back to the Ned Zone, um, Flanders comes clean with the Simpsons kids. He says, my vision is um, I kill your father because they ask him why he's, why he's selling the house. And Homer says, what, killing me? Yeah, as if you're going to be able to do that. doesn't believe him at all. He gets Wigan to give him his gun. And then Flanders is holding the gun. Homer's whacking the barrel. And there's something about, a, a, a first-person perspective of a barrel mm. pointing at somebody, where I'm like, it's it's unsettling. <laughs> Just- it kind of is, even in even in these animated circumstances. Yeah, yeah. So like, a- yeah. And Homer being a bit of a jerk. Oh, he's a jerk <laughs> in this whole episode, really. He really is. I mean, you've never you couldn't kill anybody. You got to start with the big dog. Yeah. <laughs> but then he throws the gun in the chipper, and he realizes he's changed the future. But unfortunately, he's changed it for the worse because now he sees the power plant explodes and destroys all of Springfield. What have I done? I've changed the future for the worst. Homer, stay away from the nuclear plant. Fine, I'll never go back. Starting tomorrow. Today is Lenny's birthday and they're having ice cream cake. But but, but you're going to kill us all! But ice cream cake! One of the best things about going to McDonald's birthday parties in the 90s was the, the ice cream cake they'd always bring out. Plus, they used to always... This is what the 90s were like, kids. <laughs> so Ned- Dan- Dando's so hungry. <laughs> so you can- Macca's birthday parties, they used to just take the birthday party kids through the back and watch, and they'd show you how they make the hamburgers. No health and safety at all. No gloves, no mask, nothing. You're just walking through the fucking kitchen, fucking food cooking here everywhere. <laughs> I'm not sure I'd want that. <laughs> really? I don't, I don't think I want to see how the sausage is made. It's just a piece of meat on a grill, really. It wasn't, it wasn't that exciting, but it was just the, the thrill of, I'm going behind the scenes. <laughs> I guess so, yes. <laughs> maybe maybe Ruddle would be here. They really should have all the all the uh, you know young McDonald's staffers dressed up as clowns that day. So when you go in, it's like, it really is a wonderful clown factory <laughs> or something like that. Well, we took <laughs> Elliot to Macca's. You went to Macca's for lunch on his birthday last week, and uh, when we went in there, just it's so sterile now. McDonald's, yeah, you, know, you you order the food on these screens. You don't even speak to the mm. people when you order food anymore, and you you stand in a line and just it's so bland. It's just I've been. I've been trying not to eat Macca's, but I must admit, I had a little alert come up saying, 
not doing apple pies at the moment. We are doing creme brulee I pie. thought of you the second I got that notification. <laughs> I and nearly like, sent it to you. <laughs> and I'm like, I made the promise. But on the other hand, creme brulee pie. <laughs> <laughs> promise to yourself, creme brulee pie. Was it delicious? It was all right. It wasn't too bad. Okay. <laughs> but uh, you went in and... Honestly, God, it sounds like that factory in the Terminator. Mm-hmm. You know, it's all beep, 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 beep. It really does. So I couldn't work here. I would fucking kill someone. Yeah, it's it's so it's so bland. Yeah, <laughs> monotonous and bland. Yeah, it, it sounds like a factory, like you said. But anyway, enough about McDonald's. So Flanders says, "Don't go to the plant." Homer doesn't listen to him. Flanders goes in after him, and he says, "You've got, I've got to find uh, Homer." And he sees him in his in his little set to seven G. I liked the the way they did this. Do not press the quarter strike button. <laughs> press quarter strike <laughs> button. <laughs> Don't kill. do it. Don't do it. You'll kill us all. Everyone. Do it. <laughs> do it. Kill everyone. Okay. But I like the Homer. It's taking me a long time to reach this button, as he points over. <laughs> Flanders grabs the gun off the guard, shoots Homer through the through the back. Homer, fall backwards. And <laughs> when he lands next to the, the quarter strike button, that obviously doesn't land on it. They actually built the suspense quite well. I thought this is this yeah. is quite funny. Then the, the tongue <laughs> <laughs> blows up Springfield. They're all gone. They're all in heaven. Marge is annoyed. She thinks Homer <laughs> just blew up Springfield so he wouldn't have to clean the garage. Everything's coming up Homer until he realizes realizes that the garage is also in heaven <laughs> with a little harp and a little halo. And then Homer's going to get what's coming to him. His frisbee. He walks off with God discussing the buffet. So, yeah, a quite a pretty enjoyable first segment here on Treehouse of Horror 15. I'd be super pissed if I was Ned. I'd de- I've devoted my life to the big guy, and instead the big guy and Homer are just instant bros. Homer and God have been bros for a long time. Yeah, that's a good point, actually. <laughs> <laughs> feeding him popcorn chicken. I know that was the colonel actually feeding God popcorn chicken in that episode, wasn't it? Yeah. But anyway, the next segment is four beheadings and a funeral. And I thought we we're going to get it. This would be the perfect segment for a Hugh Grant cameo, right? You would think so, wouldn't you? Yeah. Yeah. Was that a, was that a British film or was that just Hugh Grant? What do you mean? Four weddings and a funeral. Four Weddings and a Funeral. Yeah, it was a British movie. It was a British movie. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Starring Hugh Grant. Yeah. And um, Because my best friend's wedding wasn't, was it? Oh, no, no, he's not in that, is he? My best friend. That's just Julie Roberts. No, he's in Notting Hill. And it does have it. Yeah. That's the connection. Yeah. Four Weddings and a Funeral has Hugh Grant. My best friend's wedding has Julie Roberts. Notting Hill. Notting Hill has the both of them. Yes. Best of both worlds. (laughs) (laughs) I'm a Four Weddings guy more than a Notting Hill guy. Okay. Yeah. And probably even more than a Love Actually guy. Love actually, I was never really huge until I met Nicola, and I just know how much she loves the movie, so it just makes me happy seeing her happy. <laughs> <laughs> now, um, I don't know. There have been a few Jack the Ripper movies, and I, yeah. I, I thought, oh, it's just going to sort of run with light. I mean, I think From Hell. I was going to say, that's the, that's the Depp one, right? Jo- that's the Johnny Depp yeah. one. Yeah, that, that had come out a few years earlier. But there's a really good one called Murder by Decree Okay, uh, from the, I think, the late 70s, starring Christopher Plummer as Sherlock Holmes and... James Mason, who I think we've talked about. Um, oh, he's you know, Johnny Carson's and Rodney Dangerfield's best buddy. What, 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 does he say, what does he say? What does Dangerfield say? So what's new with you? <laughs> so what's new with you? <laughs> uh, with James Mason as Dr. Watson. And, and that's a really good one because I think it was one of the first times I ever saw a dramatization of the theory that uh, Jack the Ripper was like some rogue royal. Mm. Do you know that theory? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And um, like, it's actually it's saucy. actually pretty neat. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, you know, it's all shitty turn-of-the-century London and fog and everything's miserable. 
And I thought, oh, it'd be nice if they sort of do a bit on that. But I think it's just a generic sort of Jack the Ripper kind of story. But there's still a lot to enjoy in it, including my favourite bit. I, it's Well, let's start at the very start with the uh, with the London street walker or harlot or whatever we want to call them. It's a prostitute. <laughs> prostitute. <laughs> Woman, lady of the night. Well, sex worker, I believe, is the current uh, term it's, de jour. Is it sex worker? Okay, yeah. Well, I mean, there's nothing to be ashamed of. Absolutely not. No. Here's the thing, though. <laughs> this is me putting on my tell it like it is hat. So you shouldn't use the term prostitute because, you know, it's derogatory. You know, use the term sex worker. Prostitute is the word for sex worker. You gave me quite a fright, you did. Say, so you don't need no fancy knife to get me attention. Not with those handsome mutton chops. Come on, give us a snog. Stop! That's not a snog! It's funny, I'd never heard the word snog before I met Nicola. Nicola, she calls a kiss a snog. It's not a very attractive word for kiss. Give us a snog. (laughs) It's not really, is it? No. (laughs) I I imagine it would be quite charming when Nicola said, give us a snog. But the Scotland Yard, the little tagline. This is one of my favourite moments. That's one of my favourite bits. I didn't put it in my favourites, but it is one of my favourite. Our motto, what's all this then? What's all this then? <laughs> <laughs> Which is just a great thing to say. Yeah. You know, it's like when you first rock up on it, say, what's all this then? But you can say it in so many different contexts. You'd be pissed off, what's all this then? <laughs> <laughs> or, you know, you go into the, um, you go in where Elliot and Holly are, you know, doing dinosaur stuff. What's all this then? Yeah. It's, just, it's, just, it's all in the way you say it, all in the delivery. It is the Swiss army knife of phrases. It's great, yes. But they're at the morgue <laughs> and they're dusting her for prints. What do you mean? Well, the prince is coming. I want it to be clean. <laughs> then Sherlock Holmes arrives, a.k.a. Eliza Simpson, along with her immediately amazed psychic, Dr. Bartley. And uh, they're looking for clues. And Wiggum, he's actually he's just called Wiggum in this, isn't he? Wiggum says, no, we've already found the killer. We don't need clues. We've already caught the killer. Please? This mysterious Hindu is clearly responsible for the murder. Lock him up till we find someone darker, boys. Please, I am not a killer. I am but a humble purveyor of disgusting British food. Lark tongues, head pudding, eel pies. Eel pie? My favorite. Mm. (laughs) We British sure eat crap. Inspector? Might I have a word with you? Absolutely. Get that down there, you. You were saying? Well, it's like this. I'm a proper cockney flower girl, I am, and I sees this real strange bloke. Uh-huh. Out of sorts, mad in the eyes, all kettles and biscuits. Right. Well, he seen I was looking at him, uh-huh. and he drops this and runs. Call blimey, skip to me, Lou. As you're saying, Julie's accent, she just sounds like she's having so much fun with it, doesn't she? Very it's, it's not, much It's so. not very good, but it just sounds fun. No. Like, you know, we, we all love Julie Kavner. Fantastic, fantastic actor. But um, her voice is always Julie Kavner. Yes, exactly right. Yeah, She says she saw the killer and she found the other uh, sword with the, with the blood all over it. And Eliza says she'll take the challenge of trying to find the killer. Now it's time for the suspect in the child abduction case. And it's Peter Pan. <laughs> I'll never grow up. Oh, you're in jail, you will. <laughs> oh, man, Peter's in for some strife. Then they go, like, Eliza takes the sword to the Emporium of Exotica. And the comic book guy explains that it's the seven swords of Arias, or uh, uh, Osiris. Osiris, Osiris, yes. And he offers them the comic. But he doesn't call it a comic. He calls it something else. But it's Daunting Deeds is the comic that he offers them. 
like yeah. a, a visual something along the lines. But anyway, um, he goes through. He goes to check through his records. Not illustrated novel. Something, something along those lines. Yeah, but um, he, he says I'm going to go check my records to see who um who bought the uh the, the seven swords that he sold them, who he sold them to, and then whilst he's doing that, they find Flanders' shrunken heads. Then the mutton chop murderer strikes again, and he is killed. I say the comic book guy. I don't think he has a name in this either. I'm going to go with comic book no. guy. And he tries to save himself by tipping the pro- Professor Lazarus is dead no more. The elixir. Elixir, yes. And it falls onto the stool. I just like this, Simon Stulowitz. I'm alive. I'm going to go to America. I'll be in pictures. You'll see. The whole world is going to know the name Simon Stulowitz. Were they even making movies at this stage? Was Hollywood even a thing in 1890? Ah, oh, it doesn't matter. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> but I, I assume not. <laughs> in 1890, because there was no... Was there even cameras at that point in 1890? Mm, like video maybe cameras? the very beginnings of, like, you know, Thomas Edison and the Lumiere brothers and all that kind of business. Yeah. But, uh, yeah we, we, no films. Not really. Not proper films, anyway. No. No. The kids walk off with uh, with the comic book guy's ledger so they can try and find out who the killer was. And they realize that the seven swords were sold to Mr. Burns. And they go and they find him in the opium district. And they find Burns there. I like the, the, the uh, design of Burns here with his mullet and everything. Yeah, that was good. I'm, I'm a little bummed that I'll probably never visit an opium den. Well, there's one in Geelong. Why don't you go there? What? Oh, that's, that's like a, a, a shisha bar. But I thought, on oh, an no, opium bar is just a bar, isn't it? Oh, is there a bar called, actually called Opium Bar? There's literally a place in Geelong called Opium Bar. Oh, for real? Okay. <laughs> well, I think there's a difference between Opium Bar and and a, and a little op- a legit opium den. You should you should walk you should walk in and go and they've got no opium there. Just be like, I ain't going anywhere until I get my opium. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'd walk in and say, "What's all this about? What's all this then? What's all this?" <laughs> but the burn, yeah, Burns is smoking. He's having a great time. He's an addict, and he says that he sold the seven swords. So, so he can buy more opium. <laughs> and then he points out, it's like to, to a man with mutton chops, like that man there, and he points out Homer. And he, uh, and as he said, Dan Castellanata's uh, voice of um of Homer here, and it was great as well, his British <laughs> accent. He starts <laughs> throwing, throwing addicts at them, and then Wiggum grabs him, and Ralph here also smoking. Indeed, having what he's doing, opium O's. Yes, he is, yeah, yeah. And then we get another murder with a sword, and this time it is Aunt Selma, I want to say. I think it was Aunt Selma. Well, he could have killed this one days ago. The body is bloated and the face is rotten. It was five minutes ago, you twit. Now it's time for Homer's hanging. You feel so sorry for the guy. He didn't do it. Maybe this is Guy Incognito. (laughs) 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 But Wiggum, he's still eating the eel pie. Just still, that's the the constant throughout this segment here. And Eliza interrupts and says, "I know who it was because the sword smells like eel pie." And then Lou reveals that he's got mutton chops as well. I like the way they flap down. <laughs> Felt like a Scooby-Doo ending here. And he says, well, Eddie never says anything bad about me because he cut out his tongue. And then Wiggum, Wiggum goes to bail on a balloon and then the alien space. I thought at first it was the yellow submarine from the Beatles flying through. That's what I thought. Or, you know, some kind of Captain Nemo nonsense. Yeah, but no, <laughs> it was just the um, Kane Curtis' ship that pops the hot air balloon and I, I should Wiggum dies. A great line, a great closing out line, though, from Wiggum. Remember me for my police work and not my murders. Yes. <laughs> I wish they just ended it there. They didn't need the Ralph's dream bit, I don't think. The fact that it was all a no. dream. No. I was like, it's Treehouse of Horror. It doesn't need to be a dream. <laughs> but anyway, the final segment here for Treehouse of Horror 15, In the Belly of the Boss, a takeoff of which film, as you discussed earlier, Mr. Davis? Uh, Fantastic Voyage, a science fiction movie from the late 60s. 
mainly starring Raquel Welsh and her figure-hugging bodysuit, but it was also sort of loosely remade in the 80s as a great movie called Inner Space, uh, starring Dennis Quaid and Martin Short. Dennis Quaid is a test pilot who volunteers for this mission where he gets shrunk and uh, supposedly injected into a rabbit so they can do like, hey, we can shrink things and go into, you know, into bodies and do all manner of procedures and shit, except he gets injected into Martin Short because of all manner of um, shenanigans. Mishaps. And then all- Mishaps. <laughs> Wacky mishaps. <laughs> yeah, it's good fun. They're both, both Fantastic Voyage is one of those movies that was like, oh, man, this could be really great. And it's like, it's really not. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and, but in the space, it's like, hey, this actually is pretty good. So if you must watch one of them, uh, watch in the space. And if you want to see a hot lady, you know, in a figure-hugging bodysuit, just Google Raquel Welsh, uh, Fantastic Voyage. So everyone's arriving to the New Invention Expo. And the science says, see the inventions of tomorrow, today, and tomorrow. <laughs> and tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we got the the vagrant translator reminded me of the baby translator from when Unky Herb comes. True. Yeah. And I'm glad that I'm glad that the crazy cat lady finally got a chance to explain her situation. I felt so bad for her. I was like, oh, that just makes me feel sad now. I have a serious yeah. brain disease. Please give me a cat. I was like, oh man, <laughs> it's not funny anymore. Well, you can't laugh at a mental disability, like a me- mental illness. <laughs> anyway, speak, so, speak for yourself. Oh, <laughs> Frank's got a comically large capsule. And he explains what's all inside of it. I can't quite remember, but it gives you the, like a lifetime of perfect health, basically. Yes, various vitamins and additives and whatnot. But yes, yes you're right. It's a, it's the limitless pill in one big pill that's then going to get shrunk down. Maggie climbs in without anyone realising, and then Frank shrinks it, and then Burns just takes it and eats it for himself because, you know, that's just classic Mr. Burns, all about himself. And they realise that Maggie is inside because they can hear a pacifier being sucked on from the inside of Mr. Davis. Of, of Mr. Davis. Of Mr. Burns. <laughs> what the what? <laughs> Mr. Davis just eating babies. <laughs> it's true. I, I, I probably would take a pill that promised me a lifetime of decent health and um, also had a baby in it. Well, someone said to you, all right, you're going to take this pill and you'll have a lifetime of perfect health. But every single day as a result, someone will will die because you've taken this pill. They'll just drop dead. I'm waiting for the catch. <laughs> I'm still waiting for them to make those Limitless pills. Did you ever see that movie Limitless? No. You know the one with Bradley Cooper? I never saw it, no. It's a good movie. Okay. Uh, Bradley Cooper's this no-hoper. Yeah, his life's going nowhere. His girlfriend's left him. Uh, and then one day he comes across this friend from college who says, hey, I'm working as a pharmaceutical rep, and, well, this is the new thing we've been developing. And, you know, it's... Um, you take it and, hey, you know how you only use 10% of your brain? Now you're going to use 100% of your brain. And um, he pops a pill and all of a sudden, oh, wow, I've got terrific focus. And everything I've ever sort of thought about or seen, I can now recall. Oh, and he just becomes Bradley Cooper. But there's a downside to it, as, as there is. But it's a really good movie. And I, I'll sort of put it on every once in a while and go, yeah, it'd be good to have a limitless pill. And then it's like, you could probably actually just do this shit. You know, it starts it Study. starts off with this. Well, yeah, he's like, oh man, how could anyone live in a place like this? My my flat's a mess. And he cleans it all up because he's feeling super focused and energized. I'm like, you could probably do this without a pill, dude. He'd probably just clean your house, yes. Yeah. <laughs> limitless. I'll, I'll whack that onto the list. So limitless is one I have to watch. Well, in a in a space, is that the other one? In in a space. Um and and, and the dead zone. The dead zone, yes, TV series, yes. Yes. Full of shit to watch now, thanks to Mr. Davis <laughs> and his recommendations. Oh, well, you you enjoy Dando, and hey, you listeners, you enjoy it too. I um I thought Frank was the MVP of this segment. 
<laughs> a lot of great lines. I just uh, should be rocked gently to sleep by the stomach acid. So Homer <laughs> just reaches in and pulls out. I want to say like his liver or something of Mister Burns. Some organ. Yep, yeah, yeah. Throws it back in, and Frank explains that Maggie has thirty minutes to live, so he's going to need to send a miniature-sized vessel in there for the family to go in there and try and get her out. And the family are off on their way. And while you're in there, grab as much cancer as you can. <laughs> he says that they must enter through the subclavian vein. Dad, you should listen to him. He's a man of science, and you can barely read. Has science ever kissed a woman, or won the Super Bowl, or put a man on the moon? This is what I think of your precious science. <laughs> Help me, science! They get wedged in Mr. Burns' heart. In order to dislodge it, they must do it from the outside. Uh, it says here, watch out for is it the retro sides or retro, something? Retrograde viruses? Retrograde, yeah, something like that. Yeah, basically a bunch of viruses that are going to get you if you go outside the ship. And then Marge goes out and she's in her revealing suit, which of course was a takeoff of Raquel... Who? Welsh. Raquel Welsh from... So, sorry, I keep forgetting I'm old. <laughs> I, mean, I, I grew up in an era when... Hey, ben, um... I, thought two, I thought 2004 was recent before whatever, <laughs> 20 years ago, you know? <laughs> Oh, just growing up as a child, you know, you'd hear sort of not hacky guys, but guys like Johnny Carson that say, "Ooh, something about Raquel Welsh." Ooh, but um, boom, you know, it's like a shorthand for hot chick, yeah, essentially. Yeah. But Homer, he helps unwedge the ship. He's got a rib. Yeah, there's plenty of them down there. So he, he ate two of them. <laughs> Only ate two. Bart is peeing in there, and he says, "You're gonna need a nerve impulse to uh, to get out." And I think it's Lisa says, "You're gonna need a nerve impulse." Homer just hits all the buttons with his with his hand. With his fist. <laughs> Boom. Oh, that hurt like hell. <laughs> <laughs> and they rescue Maggie just in time with like a giant claw machine. And I like the little line from Margie. Oh, my sweet un- undigested baby. <laughs> and as Frank explains here, I've got a bit of a pickle with, with, with this with this here. So the extra weight due to Maggie being there, they no longer do not have enough weight to, uh, to get out. And I was like... <laughs> Baby couldn't weigh all that much. Is there nothing on that ship they could just throw off? <laughs> yeah, I'm sure there's some something ex- on there. Ex- excess baggage <laughs> yeah. on there. But he says they don't have enough power to get out because the weight is too much, so someone must stay behind. And they Homer first of all tries to suggest that the kids do it, and they look at him, he's like, all right, well, fine, I'll stay. And then I like as they're taking off, Marge goes, don't worry, we'll be fine. I was like, <laughs> bit of a bitch line there. <laughs> but Homer finds a marshmallow, so he's happy, even though he's going to die. Now, I must admit, and this mm. is going to sound very gross. Yep. Uh, when Frank says at the start, get as much cancer as you can. And Homer's biting into it. And it's like, is he biting into a cancer? I know he said it's a marshmallow. I don't think they'll go. I don't think that. it is. But, uh, but and, th- yeah. that would be... um. That would be dark. <laughs> it would be. <laughs> but they fly out through all the boogers. Marge is like, cut me some slack. I'm a widow now. And this next part here was probably the moment that reminded me most of a Treehouse of Horror Simpsons because it was uncomfortable, gruesome, but still entertaining, where Homer yes. expands inside of Mr. Burns. I was like, shit! <laughs> like, can you imagine? <laughs> well, again, I mean, beyond the main sort of idea that each segment has, you know, where it's going to be taken off the dead zone or what are going to be doing Jack the Ripper. I think they often throw in other little bits and pieces and tributes and shout outs as well. And for a while there, again, way back in the day, which is probably, you know, back the in, day would, you, for, would you say back in your day? No, not even back in my day. <laughs> See, back in like 
Bill Odenkirk's day, for instance, because he's probably a little older than me and, you know, he probably grew up in the 70s. I was about to say there was a rash of these movies, but really there was only like two. But um, of things where there were creatures with two heads, it was like some weird science experiment gone wrong and they put another head on on someone's body. I mean, there was one called The Thing with Two Heads and there was another one called The Incredible Two-Headed Transplant. And, you know, so basically you've got an actor usually a pretty big dude. And then they've got someone behind them with like their head on their shoulder <laughs> and they're sort of walking around as the same person. <laughs> um, and usually the experiment has driven them mad and they either want to kill men or feel up women. These were not good movies. So, yeah. Oh yeah. They were, they were made for the driving. They were gross. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but th- that's what that reminded me of as well. So I wouldn't be surprised if the uh, if the guys at Simpsons HQ were like, hey, let's throw in a bit of a tribute to you know the thing with two heads. Well, they've already used a similar scenario with the exact same characters back in Treehouse of Horror three, I want to say, oh, where okay. where Homer he, they put his brain into the robot and he becomes a Frankenstein robot. Homer's brain. You know the okay. one where he goes, I'm Davy Crockett. You know when he's wearing his That's right, yeah, brain brain his head. Yeah, But then the robot crushes Mr. Burns' body and they stitch Mr. Burns' head to Homer's body. So, ah, of course. Yes, yeah. So they've done it before, but it's a similar, a different, different, but the same, if you know what I mean. Yeah, but, you, but you're right about it being kind of, it's entertaining, but it's also, ooh. Yeah, yeah. Because, yeah, yeah, Homer under the skin, the way he is, just looks, the whole thing just looks so... Yeah. Off-putting. And, and that's what the Trials of Horror should do. That should give you a moment where you go, oh, shit, that's uncomfortable. You know, Ooh. Yeah, oh, my. But Homer and Burns, they're stuck together now. And Homer can't eat. He needs a mouth hole and some other holes too. And they start dancing together to... Which song were they dancing to again? I've yeah. Got You Under My Skin. That's it, right, yes. The perfect song, I guess you could say. And all the characters from the episode, different ones, join them on the dance floor and they have a merry old time at the end there and we get the sitcom credits at the end for the Kang and Kodo. So we're keeping it Kodo starring Kang. Indeed, yes. With a reprise of Standing Tall. Oh, wow. That was no good for anyone. <laughs> what um, what was the final Gracie? Because it's, it's a scream, isn't it? It's just a scream. Just yeah. a home, yeah, Homer scream. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah. Reviewing the episode, I think I enjoyed it more than what I initially thought. It's always the case, Dan. It, well, not, no, no, not always the case. <laughs> no, Bart Mangle always. Banner. <laughs> Let's not forget. Let's not forget. But... Um, but we tend to have a bit of fun. Yes. When when we look back over it. Yeah, so it's, it's not the greatest of all time, and it's nowhere near the worst of all time. I thought, yeah, there's enough in here to keep me entertained. So, Trials of yes. Horror 15, well done. It is, as Homer says, the creamy centre. What did we learn, Palmer? So, what did you learn from Trials of Horror 15, Mr. Davis? Well, Mr. Dando, if I'm ever uh, going to take someone's life, I'm not going to start with the big dog. Yeah, that's that would be good advice. I also learned that taking one's life also doesn't mean you're going to get out of housework. So there goes that. Out, there goes that option <laughs> out the window. <laughs> Damn it, that was my escape hatch. <laughs> Does the lovely Louise ever make you clean her house? When I say make, I mean, do, do you ever feel like you should, like when the house is messy there, because you go there all the time, it's almost like it's part of your job now to make sure the house is clean there? I don't feel compelled to do so. I mean, yeah. I don't feel like... Having said that, I do it. Yeah, I mean, when I go over there, it's like because you're a gentleman. Cl- she, yeah, she has a cleaner who comes in, so there's that. But when I get there, you know, she will have invariably have made dinner for her and the children. And uh, I say children; they're one's eighteen. They, you know, they're teenagers. But she's made dinner, and 
I think this is just a, a an ironclad rule, really. One cooks, one cleans. Yeah. Yes? Yep. I, I, see, I, I'm one of these people, though, when I'm able to, because it's not always possible, and when you've got kids running around, it's fucking usually impossible, but yeah, I like to, that. if I can, clean as I go, because I love to be able to, I love to be cooking my food and the kitchen to be clean at the same time. That's not the It's very good me. if you can pull it off. If you can, it's, yeah. It's got a slight degree of difficulty. But no, I um, I probably clean Lou's place more than I clean mine. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that's not me being like a suck-up, like, oh, what a perfect boyfriend I am by wiping down this bench. It's like, I don't know, she put in the yards. Time for me to you know, do my part. From this day forward, your name shall be... All right, it is now time for the very first round of the Guy Davis New Name Championship for Season 16. Congratulations it's once again back, to... baby! It's back indeed. Congratulations once again to Philip J. Hawkins for winning last season. All right, so we've thrown out the, the, the gauntlet, the challenge to uh, to the patrons out there. If you want to be a part of the Guy Davis New Name Championship, just going to be a $1 plus patron, support the show, get access to the Facebook group. And we have, as, as always, as we do it now, Guy Davis doesn't know... What, who's associated with each name. I send him the names. I gather them all up. Send them to Guy. He picks his favourites. There's no favourites here, guys. He's not playing mm. favourites of anybody, of any patrons. I send them through, and he picks his favourite new names, and we go from there. So, kicking off, Season 16, Mr. Davis, who gets one point? Let's do this. One point goes to whoever gave us. Ned Stradamus, you bloody ripper, and Frinky, I shrunk the simps. And that was one Philip J. Hawkins. Congratulations, sir. He's back. <laughs> he is back again. So, yeah, with Treehouse of Horror, as we usually do, we like you to send in three titles. Yes. The Hawk takes flight. Well done, Philip J. Okay, two points. Mm. Go to the person behind. Ned, Dead Redemption, Sherlock Dobbs, and Osmosis Burns. Not bad. That is Fergus Jeffs. Well played, Fergus. Fergus. Yes. All right. But three points. Go to It's Short, It's Sharp, It's Sweet, It Rhymes. Ned's head, Broad's dead, Maggie's fed. That would be one Brian Hughes. Congratulations, sir. Well done. Uh, on you, Hughesy. Sorry, that's... <laughs> no, no, don't do that to him. Don't, don't pigeonhole him like that. Goodness gracious. Hughesy. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Brian... No, we won't do that. But Brian Hughes, congratulations. Three points. You are now top the leaderboard. So third position, Philip Hawkins, one point. Fergus Jeffs in second on two. And Brian Hughes on three points in first position. As I said, just going to be a patron to be part of the Guy Davis New Name Championship. And if you can just get your name on the leaderboard, you're into the wildcard draw at the end of the season. Everyone's a winner, baby. Well, not everyone, but some. But more than, more than one person's a winner. That is exactly right. But everyone's a winner by being a four-finger discount patron because they get to banter with you on a daily basis on Facebook. There is that. And also you, yes, doing lovely banter like, I had my booster shot and now I feel sick. Oh, my. <laughs> <laughs> I, I slept and now I feel better. <laughs> so, wow, <laughs> tune in for the great content. <laughs> but, but no, if you are a four-finger discount patron, you just do get lots of uh, interaction uh, with Dan and myself, including... <laughs> but not limited to the new Discord channel that yes. we set up. Or the whole new Discord network. I don't know exactly how you would describe it. Well, we've had a few people say, hey, why don't you have a Discord yet? And I was like, I don't really understand how it works. But I looked into it and we've got it going, the Four Finger Discount Discord. I've only sent the, the link out to patrons at the moment just to sort of, so until, until I get a full understanding mm. of what's going on there. But it's a lot of fun. I've, I went out there today and I was like, this is great. It has taken on a life of its own. It is 
spreading like, uh, well, COVID, one might say. It's, uh, you know, new little subgroups are, are popping up. People are conversing about anything and everything, uh, mostly Simpsons stuff, but uh, as you might expect from the Four Finger Discount Network. But yes, you too can be a part of that. So we're going to be um we're going to be making that available to all listeners of the show, all fans of Four Finger Discount. So again, the the Facebook group will always be for the patrons. This new Discord will be obviously for all listeners. We want to build a real Simpsons based community there, and we start we say Simpsons based. It starts off being Simpsons based, and then it just grows as as we get to know each other. It just flourishes, and I'm excited to see where it takes us. You can find like minds and kindred spirits. Yes, I'll be posting more information about how you can access that in the next week or two. Once we've, because you have to get a certain amount of subscribers or something too. You can make a custom URL and all that kind of stuff. But I'll have a link for you guys in the next week or two, and we can see Four Finger Discount flourish on Discord. But for now, Mister Davis, it is time for the Trios of Horror Fifteen Mailbag. Ooh, Jamal, Jamal is here. Ooh. All right. First question here comes from. One Andrew Kelly. And Andrew Kelly says this. If you were shrunk down, what celebrity's body do you think would be the harshest environment to explore? It's got to be one of the Rolling Stones, right? You would think so, but I think Keith, who was the infamously most uh, hard living of the Stones, has really sort of cleaned up his act for the last, I want to say, 30 years or so. Has he really? He's just got the... It's just oh, a reputation yeah, of being drug fucked, but as as I've I think I've said on the uh, on the podcast in the past, Keith is still alive because he's like I never I never use street drugs. I yeah. always use the best heroin. Yeah. <laughs> I think that sounds a bit more like Mick, in all honesty. But uh, yeah, I'm trying to think of maybe one of the, like the Sex Pistols or something. I mean, Sid Vicious is of course dead, but who'd be worse? Um, someone who's drug fucked or someone who's morbidly obese? <gasps> Someone who's more yeah, obese would have much more room to get around, but but I get the feeling there'd be a lot of diabetes. It wouldn't it wouldn't be too good in there. So no. yes, um, to kind of put on my buffalo, but who's a great big fat person? <laughs> um, <laughs> my go-to is normally Rebel Wilson, but she's dumped a whole lot of weight. What about so, what about nineteen nineties John Goodman? Yeah, <laughs> I'm trying to think. Oh, yeah. I'm just like, who, who was who was known for being fat? Who who was the famous fat person of the nineties eighties? Oh, um, Chris Chris Farley was pretty fat. Chris, yeah, Chris had the du- Chris had drugs and <laughs> had everything combined. <laughs> Chris had the smorgasbord. God yeah, love Chris. Him. Had, God, God love Chris Farley. But yeah, that that man had low impulse control. Shall we say he he lived high, didn't live long, but he lived very high. He burned bright. Yeah, <laughs> and, then he, and then he burned out. Uh, we love Chris on this show. Uh, rest in peace, Chris. But you know, I get the feeling being injected into Chris will be like, mm. it'd be like being inside a bouncy castle that had been overinflated. So you- <laughs> that's what it would be like. All right. Next question. That's a, that sounds disrespectful to the late Chris Farley. I won't have it, but for the purposes of this question, yes, that's what where I would not like to be. Andrew JP says. Referencing the From Hell parody in Four Beheadings and a Funeral, what's your favourite graphic novel, not Marvel or DC, that's been turned into a film or TV series? Hmm. That is a good question. And I'm not... Because, I mean, I was a comics guy when I was a, a little kid. Yep. And then when I was a teenager for a while, and I'd had, like, maybe four-year breaks in between. I'm like, eh, I'm putting comics away. I'm not interested... And then, oh, wait a minute, this this Daredevil run 
when I'm about 13 years old, seems pretty cool. And then a couple of years later, it's like, mm, comic books are for kids. And then I hit about 18 and read The Dark Knight Returns and Watchmen. I was going to say uh, Watchmen, yeah. And I, I think Watchmen might be a DC title. Or might have I'm not 100 percent sure. It's it's definitely under one of the banners. I'm pretty sure. What about Sin City? I've read some Sin City, but uh, did you like my... the, did you like the films or the film? There was two, wasn't there? There were the first one was okay. The second one was one of the worst things I've ever seen in my life. Really? Okay. I hated Sin City, a dame to kill for, and and that's and I'm talking about a movie that had you know the luscious French starlet Eva Green emerging from a tub completely naked. Yeah, I remember that going, oh, yeah, oh, my. <laughs> <laughs> okay, were, were you George Decay or the Kool-Aid man? <laughs> <laughs> or were you both? Uh, we're all sitting in the cinema, oh, yeah, yeah. oh, my. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my. <laughs> what I read of Sin City wasn't bad. I mean, I don't think I've read too much too many other comics outside the big two. I'm not that adventurous. Watchmen's DC Comics, by the way, apparently. Okay, then. Yep. Andrew JP, I'm sorry I can't answer your question with uh, more rigor. Um, I mean, I've got, I, actually, actually, I take it back. I take it back. Yeah. I do have, because again, I went through another period where I was like, eh, graphic novels, some of them are pretty good. And I've got a few, <laughs> again, sorry, I forgot we're doing audio here. <laughs> um, but yeah, Dan, I know doing the Zoom thing. And mm-hmm. I pointed up at the top of my shelf where I've got a few that I um, a few that I bought for a while there, mainly by a guy named Ed Brubaker, but there's a guy named Sean Collins who, who works on it as well. There were titles like Sleeper, Criminal, and Incognito. Okay. Um, they were sort of spy thrillers with a bit of a superhero element or a bit of an action element, and a lot of them were pretty good. Yeah, I read, I did read from Hell, uh, which Andrew JP points out, and he mentioned that. You know, we talked about it during four beheadings and funerals. Sort of like, eh, it's a bit like that, I guess. We hadn't really, we hadn't seen Andrew's question prior to that. Yeah, another good one is uh, the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Oh which yes, I don't yeah. Think, yeah, which I don't think was DC. It was turned into a movie uh, that nobody liked. Sean Connery. <laughs> yeah, I think it was Sean Connery's last movie. Apparently, he had such a bad time, and I was like, I'm retiring. Fuck this. <laughs> um, and. <laughs> And I can imagine him along, saying exactly that too. Probably. And he got along so poorly with the director uh, that the director hasn't made another film since. And that was Stephen Norrington who made Blade, one of the best superhero movies. Jesus. Yeah. So, um, well, Blade's the comic. Not, Blade, well, oh, no, I think of Spawn. Spawn's not owned by DC or Marvel. Well, it wasn't originally, was it? No, that's, what's his name? Big, Todd McFarlane? McFarlane, yeah. Todd McFarlane, pretty sure, yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, I never really sort of got into any of the, his stuff either. But Spawn, what's a Spawn movie like? That's oh, all right. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's very, very late 90s sort of new metal soundtrack. Yep. Very early CGI effects. So it's like, oh, this looks a bit cheesy. <laughs> um, not mad not mad on the Spawn movie. Okay. I should probably rewatch it. It has some good nostalgia value now. I want to find a question here. Let's pick one. All right. Reese Roberts. What's he say? Reese Roberts What's says, up, what was a classic science fiction movie that you would want to have a, as a segment on Trios of Horror? He believes Attack of the 50-Foot Woman would be great. Reese is correct. That would be a good one. I mean, they've done sort of a, a did bit Attack of, of the 50-Foot Eyesores, which was the billboards and everything. Yeah, yeah, with Lard Lad and all that. Yeah, so that was kind of a riff on that. But yeah, Attack of the 50-Foot Woman's a good idea. Uh, classic sci-fi. Classic sci-fi. I'm surprised they never did, and they may have since. But they've never done an alien one. And I remember oh, thinking, yeah. I came up with an idea. It was called Alien Snortopsy, where 
so Homer's landed the night shift at work, right, at the power plant, because people, whoever works night shift, keep getting killed. So then it gets down to, you know, maybe maybe Lenny gets killed and Carl gets killed, or whatever, and then it's, it's Homer's turn. And then when Homer's asleep at um at the power plant, he wakes up and he discovers that there's an alien loose, and that alien would be Mr. Burns, who's turned into an alien due to the radiation. Okay. I remember that was like my my pitch for like our book. But um, but yeah, Alien Snort. I think like an alien parody would be really cool. Alien Snort Topsy, that was my idea. Yeah. Have they ever done anything on like some 70s stuff? Like maybe Logan's Run or Soylent Green? I don't know. Logan's, Run, I'm, Logan's I'm pretty, Run could be fun. You know, the plot yeah, yeah. of Logan's Run is the future and you're not allowed to live past 30 and all yep. that kind of stuff. And What about Blade Runner? Well, Blade Runner wouldn't be bad. Mm. Or Soylent Green and Homer's just eating people all the yeah. time. <laughs> Homer, starts, Homer starts eating people before they're turned into Soylent Green. Well, I, I've been watching the Treehouse of Horrors since we did, we've been, uh, this review was coming up. So I've been watching all the, the upcoming Treehouse of Horrors to see whether they're any good. And there's actually some really good ones. There's one where it's like Married to the Blob and Homer's just become, oh, yeah. mar- Homer becomes the Blob. He just keeps eating people. So it's kind of like that. <laughs> oh, that's cool. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, but yes, that is trivia. Not trivia, mailbag for... Yes. Trios of Horror 15. Thank you guys for sending in your questions. Don't forget, if you do have a question for us, you can contact us at simpsonsmailbag at gmail.com. And, of course, this week, we want to hear from all of you listeners out there your two-cent story, your My Two Cent story, the My Two Cent segment. It's making a return on next week's show, but it's going to kick off with Guy Davis's cheap-ass story on next week's podcast. So that's something to look forward to. Also, next week, we're going to be reviewing the following episode, Mr. Davis. All's Fair and Oven War, which I believe is the one that may have, uh, um, who passed away just recently, got from The Godfather? Oh, James Kahn. James Kahn. Was that, was that the one with James Kahn in it? All's Fair and Oven War? I think it might be, yeah. I'm just Googling it now. All's Fair and Oven War. Yeah, it does have James Kahn. Yeah. Oh, what timing. What timing <laughs> indeed. So next week's episode of Four Finger Discount, we're reviewing episode two of season 16, All's Fair in Oven War. So look forward to that. Look forward to Guy Davis's My Two Cents story as well as some questions from the mailbag. But don't forget, guys, to continue to please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you do find and listen to this podcast. If you want to support the show and get access to a bunch of exclusives, including early access to this show and all the other shows we do, you can go to patreon.com slash discount. you also find our Tales of Futurama podcast up there. We recently reviewed a big piece of garbage, which was a very, very fantastic episode of Futurama. So you can find all those. I think it's seven or eight episodes so far we've done of the show. You can find them all available right now at patreon.com slash four finger discount. But thank you guys for continuing to support the show and listening to us each and every week. For now, Mr. Davis, any final words for those amazing listeners out there? Standing tall on the wings of my dreams. No, 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 no. Shh.